Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division Three coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. So please contribute to the show as much as you can. Our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football, and this is really for you to be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan, something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash FDM. I'm always excited when we can visit again with a coach who's been on the podcast before and especially when he's made some moves and and been able to um, really progress through this profession. So uh, the last time we talked to our guest today, he was an offensive coordinator at the D2 level. Now he is a head coach and running his own program. The last time we spoke to him, they had led the country in completion percentage. Um, But today we're going to focus on managing the run game and the things that they do to teach the run game and complement it. So joining me, on the podcast again, head football coach at Tiffin University, Coach Chris Reiser. Chris, great to have you here. Keith, what's going on? Thanks so much for the opportunity to come on. Appreciate what you do always. So it's always fun to uh, get in here and chat it up with you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so Coach, as I mentioned before, when we first met, you guys were throwing the ball around with incredible accuracy and, and completion rate. And that was the focus the last time. And I'll link that podcast for our listeners in our show notes so you can go back to that one because I think you shared some incredible stuff there. But today the focus is going to be on the running game. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, an overview here of, of the run game for you. Yeah, you know, the, the big thing for us is, as we look at it is all of our runs have, have built-in throws off of it. I shouldn't say all, about 90% of our runs have built-in throws off of it. And the reason in the 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 why we do that is we want to be able to take advantage of what a defense has given us, right? If a defense wants to stack the box, then we want the availability and the free will to be able to throw the football on the perimeter. You know, if the, the defense is, is spread out and they're playing too high or they're playing some type of pass coverage and there's going to be a limited number of box defenders, then we want the availability to be able to run the football. We do this for a variety of different ways. I, I think the the first and the 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 most primary function of it is that it keeps things really simple for our offensive line. You know, our offensive line, their job is to block the six box defenders 
over and over and over and over again, right? Whether it's a 3-3 stack, you're blocking the three down and the three box backers. Whether it's an Oki front, right? You're blocking the three down, two box backers, and then the, the outside guy to the side of the run, right? Or it's a true four down look and you're blocking the four down and the Mike and the Will linebacker. And it keeps it really, really simple for those guys in the sense that we're not asking them to block safeties or overhangs or different things of that sort because our quarterback is managing those defenders. Um, and that's really the primary function of why we do it. I think that in offensive football, I think the, the primary job of the offensive coordinator of the play caller is to keep things really simple for two position groups, right? One being the offensive line, two being the quarterback. And as much as you can streamline those two thought processes and those two coaching progressions and how you teach those positions and allow them to hear the same things over and over again or see the same things over and over again, to me, you're going you're gonna to get great advantages in what you're doing in great production. You know, and it's not to shortchange running backs, tight ends, and receivers, but you can tag all those guys, right? Almost every offense in the country has a way to tag an outside receiver or tag a running back or tag an inside receiver. You can't tag a thought process of your center or your quarterback. That has to be built in, and they have to understand that. And so that's why we streamline it that way. So, Coach, uh, with that in mind, I know this will be after the virtual clinic you do, which is going to be on how you guys manipulate hats. But talk to us a little bit now of, of kind of getting into the details, right? Great overview there. I, and, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more in, in the run game to simplify it for those two groups you mentioned. So, obviously, now the, the quarterback has become such an important part of the run game in football and you know he he always has especially if you were you know a team who would just need him to make sure you weren't running into into bad looks by you know IDing the mic and and getting that started or or flipping a play etc now the quarterback you know with RPOs and the way you can manipulate a defense is a huge part of it so talk to us about you know, I guess schematically what does that look like for you guys in, in in the things that you're relying on Sure. So let's just kind of take a deep dive into it. You know, I think I think the majority of the way that, that we approach it, right, is is our quarterback is going to approach a line of scrimmage the same way every single time. And we actually have that built in for each of our position groups. I think it's really important. A lot of times when you, you, you give coaching points or you give clues to your kids, a lot of times it happens after the snap, you know, and and some guys talk a good bit about stance. Some guys talk a good bit about eyes. You know, I used to coach receivers, and I used to always say, read your triangle, right? And and I don't know that I ever fully understood that. I don't know that I ever fully taught that well enough to my guys. Um, and one of the things that I challenge our coaches on a daily basis is all the coaching points that you give, do they make sense, right? Do you really believe them? And are you really able to to teach them? And I think so much of, of what we as coaches do is sometimes we coach speak too much. And so to really be able to streamline verbiage, streamline progressions, streamline thought processes that your kids are going to undergo, I think is such an important part of the coaching progression. And so what, what we do and what each position has in our program, specifically on offense and defense, we do some things slightly different. But on offense, everybody's got what we call a free throw routine. And that free throw routine, right, it's, it's my rhythm, it's my routine, when I approach the line of scrimmage every single play. And the reason I call it a free throw routine, right, is, is it started with quarterbacks, and the majority of quarterbacks, they play basketball, right? A lot of them play hoops, and they play baseball, and they have a lot of different things. And everybody, at least I can, I'm 33 now, and I can still tell you my free throw routine from when I was in high school. 
And, and I always tell them, well, why do we have free throw routines? Well, to get comfortable, to get into a rhythm, to settle in the same pattern, right, to slow down. And what we want on offense is we want each position to have a routine. And so when they walk to the line of scrimmage, what does it look like? Who do I look at, right? What's the important keys in my stance? What's the important keys in, in my progression? And so it's streamlined in each position. But what I'll do is I'll give you our quarterback progression. And a lot of it evolves or involves the way that we approach our run game. And so, like I mentioned earlier, in our run game, you know, our line are going to block the box. And our quarterback is going to be able to throw off perimeter defenders. And so, basically, we assume we're going to block the box six. And then the perimeter five, right, both corners, both safeties, and then whatever you want to call that field overhang, a Sam, uh, a nickel, a spur, whatever you guys call it, right, those are the five guys that must be managed by the quarterback. And it could be managed in a variety of ways. It could be managed as a run read, right? You could run them for a, a give or a pull by the quarterback, right? You could manage them in the pass game for a give or a throw by the quarterback. And so our offense is, is kind of built around those facets. And so our quarterback, right, he's always going to start his free throw routine to the field. And the way that we approach it, right, is I always tell him we're going to go field to boundary. And in college football, that works. And in the NFL, it probably doesn't because the hashes are tighter and there's a little bit, um, I think, less less uh, uh, black and white, right, in, in the NFL game. But in the college game, I really believe that you can go field to boundary because the majority of defenses in college football are field and boundary based, right? And so the way we approach it is quarterback walks the line of scrimmage, he's going to look field corner, right? And what we're trying to find, and we've got a diagram we show the kids, but each person I look at, I'm trying to find the relationship between he and the guy that he affects. And so if I look at the field corner, the next thing I'm going to look is I'm either going to see, right, the strong, the field safety, right, or that spur overhang. And so if the next guy that I see is the spur overhang, I know that that spur overhang is probably outside of my slot, and I probably have some type of weak rotation to the boundary or some type of what we would call four-sync coverage, where the free safety is now potentially the extra box player and that outside backer spur is now out of the run fit and he's a pass player. Um, and so what we do is we scan field the boundary. So we'll go field corner, field overhang, free safety, boundary safety, boundary corner, down to figure out if we're three or four down and then back to the middle. Um, and what that does is it gets the quarterback in the same rhythm over and over and over again. And I remember, you know, when I was coming up playing quarterback, so much of my routine was predicated on where I thought I was going to go with the football, right? And so, you know, we call a play call and it's a hitch corner to the boundary. The last guy and the first guy I looked at was the boundary corner. And I could just see in my, in my head how many tells I had playing the position. And so by giving our kids routines, we eliminate tells, right? Regardless of where I'm going to start my progression, regardless of what, what movement key I'm going to look at, I'm only going to go field boundary back to middle. And what that does is it gets our quarterbacks comfortable and it gets them comfortable in seeing the top level. You know, the way we teach the position is safeties really are the guys that tell the whole story, right? Corners lie, linebackers lie, D linemen lie. Safeties are the guys that are the people that you have to look at. And so when we talk about throwing a, a bubble to the field based off the field overhang, we never would, it would never be acceptable for a quarterback to say, well, the, the field overhang was tight to the box, so I threw the bubble. He would have to say, 
the field overhang was tight to the box and the threat of field safety was at 13 yards. So I threw the bubble, if that makes sense. And so I always want those guys to be tied into safeties. But the reason we start field to boundary teeth is um, the first thing I believe that can limit you in the run game from a TFL perspective is that field overhang as a blitzer. And if you don't start your eyes there, and understand his relationship between the safety and whether he's a he can blitz or he's got to be a pass player and out of the fit. If you don't start there, you're going to run into some big some big trouble. And so the first thing our quarterbacks always have the opportunity to do is throw a bubble based off him and his relationship to the safety. And so I I want to marry his routine with also with also his progression in the run game. And so the second thing he would have to manage outside of that would be if there were some type of tag to the boundary and now we were reading a boundary safety or we were reading the boundary linebacker, even if we were reading the field safety. But the number one thing I believe that will create TFLs is if you don't account for the field overhang. And if you don't account for him, he can really kind of wreck your run game especially if you don't have a tight end in the game that's going to be responsible for him. And so that's kind of the schematic way that we try and manage the run game and try and run the football. You know, this year we ran the football better uh, than we had in the past. And a lot of it was we, our, our offensive line coach, now our offensive coordinator, did a tremendous job coaching our guys up front. Our, our running back was an All-American. And so we were sixth in the country and rushing this year, um, which is not something that we've been able to do as uh, – as consistently as we'd like. And this year we were able to do that. And I think a big part of that is because of how we teach the run game and how we simplify it. So coach in the the RPO game, uh, I've seen a a, a lot of the thought process being, well, I really don't need much of a play action game because the RPO essentially is serving as that, or, you know, on on the reverse side and the passing part of it, I don't need a quick game because it's serving as that. I guess I'd like to focus more on the, the play action right now and, and a compliment to what you're doing. Your thoughts on on how you de- do need some play action, even if you are an RPO-heavy team, and the things that you guys like to do. Yeah, I think to us, the, the RPO is, is it's a way for us to run the football better. You know, and, and that's the number one thing that our quarterbacks have to understand. We're not, we don't run RPOs to throw it. We run RPOs to run it against the most efficient looks that we can generate. And, and I think using that, I think our quarterbacks can settle into a rhythm of, I'm always going to be able to give the football because if I think I can give the football, I'm going to be protected against the run. And, and similar, kind of what you were saying about the quick game, just to expand on that as well, we still carry quick game as well. I think, I think there's, a, there's a time and place for all those things. I do believe, and, and this is one thing that I would say that I think is a really important thing, especially for, for guys that have young quarterbacks and guys that potentially are, are coaching at the high school level. I think the one thing that RPOs do for young quarterbacks and for high school quarterbacks that are in the early parts of their career is what it can do is it can protect them. You know, if, if you have an offense and you call a bunch of quick game throws, there's no out for a quarterback. And so if they don't feel great about a look, if they don't feel confident in the scheme, if they don't feel confident in the concept, they don't get to call a timeout. They have to run the play. And as a young quarterback, right, they're all pleasers. As young quarterbacks, what are they going to do? They're going to force a football somewhere. And what we have done with young quarterbacks, and I think it's especially important for the high school kids, is you can generate, right, you can throw slants to the field 
and run inside zone away from those slants and tell your young quarterback, look, bud, if you can guarantee me a completion to the outside slant, throw it. If not, hand the football off. And what you've done in that moment is you've created confidence for that quarterback because now he's no longer in a bind. If he doesn't love the look, then he just hands the ball off, right? You might get two, but at least you don't get a pick. And now he's in a better situation mentally and, and emotionally as he goes throughout the game. So that would be the first thing I would say with the quick game is I think there is a place to have quick game, but I think there's also a place to manage a quarterback's confidence levels by using it built off runs. And then from a play action perspective, you know, our, our philosophy is that every offense, every, every route that you carry in offense needs to have compliments off of it. You know, we don't, I don't have a bunch of a bunch of stuff. We don't do we don't do a lot. We do simple things and we do them over and over and over again. And then the things that we do over and over again, they have compliments that are built in. And so, for instance, if if you throw a ton of slants, right, then you got to have sluggos in, right? Slant goes. If you throw a ton of hitches, then you need to find a way to build in hitches and goes, right, or stutter routes. And so the way that we approach our play action game is, all right, let's take a look at all the RPOs that, that we run on a consistent basis. And let's find a way to build, right, complements off of the RPOs. And so it's as simple as that. If we throw a lot of RPOs where we're going to throw boundary hitches, well, if that's the case, then we want to carry in a play action format. We want to carry play actions where the runs look, look just like the protections and the routes look just like the routes and so we might run a seven man max protected play and run a hitch and go to that boundary receiver so to that safety that run looked just the same as the as the protection to that corner the route looked just the same as the rpo and now you have an opportunity to generate a big play or a shot play by sheer nature of just building and complementing off what you do all the time. And it's not a revolutionary idea. It's just being able to understand what your strengths are and what a team would see in you. If you were to break yourself down, what's the best things that you do, right? And figure out what the best things you do are and then build your compliments off that. Absolutely. To, to every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? And that's essentially when you, you frame it out like this, especially RPO heavy teams. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is is the defense schemes you up and takes things away. Well, they do that. They're also giving things away. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, you know, there's 53 and a third, right, that they got to cover, and they only got 11 guys. And so, you know, theoretically, there's probably some type of void somewhere on the field. And offensive scheme, in, in, in my mind, is, is built that, your scheme needs to be simple and complex enough that your kids know how to get to that void, right? And your scheme allows the ball to get to that void. And so uh, that's the way that we approach it. And I think that, I mean, there's times, Keith, right, where, where you're just beat, you know, and a defense makes a great call or they get you in a look that you just never have seen before and it takes you a while to get used to it. But I really believe that, that when you keep things simple and you keep things in simply taught, I think you can have a lot of success and taking advantage of what a defense gives you. Well, Coach, I love the details. I was telling you, and we our listeners won't hear it, but I had to cut there because I'm I'm sitting here taking notes and, and getting caught up in the football conversation and forget that I have to ask questions. So, uh, just a great segment there on that. I do want to flip to the culture side of things now because the last time we talked and we hit on some of these things, I mean, it, it was not 
your program. So now Chris Reiser has had the ability to say, this is uh, what this football program is going to be about. And I think, you know, that that's something that has to start with the head coach. It's not something that's, you know, democratic or, you know, everybody vote on this and give their input. Certainly there's always input into the things you do, but like a, a, a program and the, and the guidelines and the pillars really have to start with the head coach. So how have you approached that and what are those for you? Yeah. You know, our, our culture has been something that we work on daily. I think, I think more important scheme, I think more important really than anything, I think to get your your team, your coaches, your staff to all be rowing in the same direction, understand what's important in the program, understand what you're about, and understand what behavior is expected and what behavior is going to be held accountable. And so for us, we really start, uh, we've got a pyramid that we show our team, and that's the pyramid that's in the first page of their playbook. Every team meeting we ever have, our pyramid, our culture pyramid, it's called the Dragon Pyramid is the first thing our kids will see. And one of the things that we try and do just to really make sure that, that our culture is getting permeated is any test we would ever give our kids on scheme, on offense, defense, special teams, there's always going to be a culture component too. And so I want, I want our kids as much as I want them to know how to, if I'm, a, if I'm the center of what calls I need to make on my inside zone play, I want him to know right, the guiding principles of our football team just as much as he knows to make a, a double call against this front. I want him to know the core values of what we are in tipping football just as much as I want him to know his pass protection. And, and I think unless you put them on equal ratings, and for us, really, our culture is more important than anything, I don't know that you get the buy-in. And so for us, our guiding principles are faith, family, future football. I know it's kind of cliche, right? A lot of people have something like that. And for us, there's, there's meaning behind everything. You know, first is faith and my faith in my life is really important in my personal life and my family's life. And it's a part of our program. You know, the other thing I think that faith entails at Tiffin is it really it's belief. You know, I think that our job as coaches, number one, is to empower young men, right? To, to make them believe that they can accomplish things that they never dreamt of before. And, and that's the number one thing. And then for our players, I want them to have belief in themselves. I want them to have belief in their teammates and then belief in the vision of our program. And so that's why faith is number one for us. Family is, is relationships. You know, I saw PJ Flex speak in, in at Minnesota. They talk about family is forget about me. I love you. And, and I think that's a really cool acronym. And what we try and preach is, is servant leadership. I want, I do want to develop lead, leadership in our program. We've got a plan and how we do that. But I think it's so important to develop the servant aspect of it, the ability to lower yourself and put others before you. And I think that's, just a tremendous life skill. And I want our players to understand that and, and, and know that. The other thing about the relationship aspect of it is we're really intentional about that. I think, as, as I know you know, Keith, the only way to really strengthen relationships and build that family atmosphere is through time. And so we're really intentional about how we create time for players and coaches, how we create time for players and players. You know, I meet with every single kid in our program one-on-one -on -one, four times a year. And, and like you said, culture a lot of times has to start at the top. And so if we're about family and about relationships, and I haven't opened myself to have one-on-one -on -one conversations, right, at, at least three or four times a year, then, then I'm not living that culture. We also do a really cool thing called Remember the Titans meetings. That's my favorite movie. And I don't, I, I don't know if you remember the, the they're at camp and, Coach Boone has Lastig and Rev stand up, right? And he says, Rev, tell me about Lastig. And, you know, Rev doesn't know anything about Lastig, but Lastig knows everything about Rev. And at that point, right, Coach, I don't know if you remember, but says, all right, well, 
until you get to know all your teammates, right? Report back to me, you're in three days. And so every week we pair our kids up, um, give them different topics to talk about, random pairings, and they have to fill out a sheet about all the things they learned about each other. And then we take all that data and we form, we formulate a big Google sheet of it. And so for me, selfishly, if, if I'm having a hard time reaching a kid, I can go to that Google sheet, learn four or five things about them in a snap, and then be able to make my next interaction a little bit more meaningful. The third thing is, is future. You know, I think as coaches, right, our job is to make sure that our players understand that football is an extension of the classroom. I think that we're teachers and we have to be. I want my staff to have be in that same mindset. I want our guys to, to know that we're going to be really intentional about teaching them the lessons that they're going to need as they evolve as men and how football can help be a part of that. You know, there's never any grayness as to why you come to college at Tiffin, you come to get a degree. And everything on top of that is, is the icing on the cake. And then the last thing is football. And I, I just think it's important that our guys understand that as much as we are going to develop the whole person, that football is a big part of how we do that. And football is a big priority that, um, that, that we're going to make sure that we nurture and that we take advantage of. And, and I also want them to know that, you know, that in our program, the guys that love ball and that sacrifice for it and commit to it, those are always the guys that have success. And those are quite frankly, the guys that I like to coach and teach. And so I use that a bunch in recruiting of, you know, if you're on the fence, if you want to be a ball player or not, you might just go to college or go to school. That's awesome. Right. And, and, and I wish you well, but Tiffin's probably not the home for you. And, and we try and be very upfront about that. So those are our guiding principles. And then, you know, on top of that, we have our core values and that's effort, compete and Kaizen. Effort, obviously, is enough said. Compete, enough said. I, I tell my guys all the time, you're either going to be a moth or a cockroach, right? And I had an old coach that used to say that all the time. And guys always look at me like I got six eyes. And uh, the way we see it is, right, is compete is, is you're ready to make the play when your number's called. And moths, right, when the lights come on, what do they do, right? You you probably, you know, when you're little, right, playing outside and the, the street lights come on, right, what's up in the street lights? A moth, right? They gravitate towards it. And so... What we look at is, look, at, if you're a moth, that means you're prepared for the moment. When the lights come on, right, whether you thought it was your moment or not, you're ready because you prepared for that. You relish it, right? You look forward to it, and you embrace that. And the cockroaches, where they do the lights turn on, they scurry over in the corner. And those are the guys that didn't know their number was going to be called, and so they didn't prepare, right? And so we really want to embrace the preparation piece, and I think that's a big part of competing. And then lastly, Keith, the Kaizen component. All that is the Japanese business term. Uh, Toyota made it famous. It's called. It's, it's basically synonymous with with uh, continual improvement. And so, I think I think in in football in life, I think we're meant to fail over and over and over again. Certainly, young men are. And and we want to coach and we want to teach in a way that our guys understand that it's okay to cut it loose. It's okay to go and get something and go and attack. And if you don't do it right. We're going to teach it. We're going to learn from it. We're going to grow from it. And it's going to make us better. And I want that to be a big part of who we are. I don't want us to be afraid to fail, even though a little fear of failure is always going to be prevalent with us. I don't want us to have that mindset. I want us to go try and win, not be afraid to lose. And that's a really important piece of what we do. It's it's funny that you mentioned Kaizen. I think back to, geez, this is 1988. I'm a senior graduating from high school and at my graduation party one of my dad's friends uh, is actually my sister's godfather you know he's got a manufacturing company on the east side of cleveland and 
he 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 says, you know, uh, you can work here in the summers. You can work here on your breaks. So I took him up on it, and I actually end up, you know, going through. And I, I can remember the first summer, I'm mostly sweeping floors. I'm learning some stuff about the business, and, and I'm very inquisitive, so I start to learn. But one of the first things there, even as a guy who's sweeping the floors, I'm given this book, and I still have it. I'm holding it right now. I just got up a second ago to pull it off the shelf. It's Kaizen, The Key to Japan's Competitive Success by Masaki and Mai. Um, I don't know. I would imagine it's a book that's still in print. Hold on one second. I'm paging through it. So it was 1986. Highly recommend. You know, it is going to be manufacturing heavy, but the the concepts, the principles in this, and as you said, the, the whole idea of continual improvement, just the stuff in here uh, can really help guide you as a coach too. And I know I have like uh, Dub Maddox, I think, and I, I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. I think I recommended him this book on Twitter. But, you know, Dub's one who goes outside of football to to look for answers and to look how to improve. And I highly recommend that book. And I love that concept, right, Kaizen being the idea of, of continuous improvement. So just a quick story. I mean, that, that book was impactful on me, even though eventually I, I left the manufacturing industry and got into education and coaching football. It still was something that stuck with me. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I'm looking it up on uh, on Amazon right now. They have it. It's, it's Kaizen, the key to Japan's competitive spirit. It's a success. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's an awesome story. No, I'm going to buy it and read it. I just think it's, I think it's a really cool life lesson, right? That you know, no matter what happens, you you know, you're only failing, right, if you're not growing from it and you're not getting better because of it, you know, and, and you're not a failure, right, if you learn and you grow and you find a way to get better. And I just think it's a really cool uh, way for that to get across. And I love that it's just the one word, right, is you don't have to say all that stuff. You just say Kaizen and there you go, right, and you're good. Exactly. I always got to simplify it. Well, well, Coach, I think, you know, it's always cool for me to follow guests through this i always like consider consider this you've been on like you're part of my team so now i follow you and like applaud all the successes and everything so i'm excited about what you are doing now as a head coach at tiffin not far from me i'm gonna have to get out for for a a game and i know i think you play up here towards cleveland sometimes too right you have to come out and see you guys but uh again appreciate you taking the time sharing some great ideas here with our coaches and I just want to make sure I know Division Two level. You're you're probably still a guy who gets out and physically goes to schools and recruits. So, what areas are you focused on as a recruiter? Yeah, we're we're really in Ohio, Keith. You know, if you look at if you look at our class, you know, we signed 51 on signing day, and I think it was three that were not from Ohio. And so, everywhere in Ohio, you know, we want to we want to build that way. I just think there's such good football and such good coaching here, and um, so we really try and attack it and, and we've got a really cool product at Tiffin, you know, we've got, uh, a very student athlete driven, uh, student body. Um, you know, we've got an indoor facility that's, that's really kind of at the top of its game and at our level, you know, we've had some recent success, won our conference championship this year and to the national playoffs for the first time in school history. And so there's a lot of really cool things happening at Tiffin we've been able to compete, I think, in recruiting, in the state against a lot of other really talented places. And a lot of it is, you know, obviously the success and some of the facility stuff, but I think the culture component and we've got an awesome group of players that, 
uh, quite frankly, sell it better than any of our any of our coaches could. And so, anyone in Ohio, we we are we are more than more than willing to come see you, take a look. That's where we want to be built. That's how we're going to be built, and and we'll continue to do that. Coach, for our listeners, your Twitter handle? Yeah, it's at Coach Reisert, R-E-I-S-E-R-T. Coach, again, thank you for taking the time, and best of luck to you and the Dragons in 2020. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate it so much. Keep up the awesome work. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Check it out, all of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.